This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Lord said, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He has every right to be jealous. Man's jealousy, there's envious and there's evilness attached to it. Are you serving the creator or the creature? In today's message from Pastor Eddie, he teaches you to stay away from idolatry. Idolatry is anything that directs your worship away from the Lord. The Lord is a jealous God who deserves your full devotion and worship. His jealousy is not like man's, which is evil and dark. God's jealousy is holy and protective of what He is. All of creation belongs to Him, the Creator. He is the one who deserves glory, honor, and praise. Worship God, your Creator. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in Romans chapter 11 for today's edition of Running the Race. He goes to school for this because a tour guide in Israel, you have to be licensed. They don't just give anybody, a, a, you know, okay, here's a microphone, here's a bus, just tell people this is this building. No, in Israel, you had to be licensed, and you have to take tests, and they, you have to know archaeology, you have to know history, and he was well-knowledge in Scripture, the Bible that we have, but yet all the evidence, all the archaeological evidence still does not penetrate, and so I'm amazed how strong this is. It is truly hard. Paul gives us another quote from the Old Testament, verse 9. And David said, let their tables become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Verse 10, let their eyes be darkened so they do not see and bow down their backs always. Paul is quoting, this is a messianic passage from the Psalms of David. David wrote this psalm in Psalm 69. Psalm 69, verses 22 to 23. Now, the table here. The table is a place of what? Feast, fellowship, celebration. Feast, uh, fellowship, and celebration. And the nation of Israel had many feasts. I just love the Jewish culture. I love the tradition. And I love their feasts because it's eating. (laughs) I love that. I love it. They have seven feasts that we find in the Old Testament. They have the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of the Atonement, the Feast of the Tabernacle. However, their table with their feast has become a snare and a trap to them. Why? Thinking by having all these feasts at the table that all is well, that all is well, but instead it has turned their blessing into burdens and judgment. Every single feast that's in the, in, in the Old Testament, 
God has given to Israel to celebrate. Why? Because they all point to something and someone. Every single feast, all seven of them, point to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Every single feast. But instead, it has become a snare and has kept them from Christ. Why? They were very religious in their practice. The observance of their feasts became substitutes for the real experience of salvation. That is through the Mashiach, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Paul wrote, to the church of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. He says, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are shadows of things to come. But the substance is Christ. We find Christ all over the Old Testament. That's why the Old Testament is important to us. It's important because what it does is the New Testament concealed in the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Everything is a shadow. We don't worship the shadow. When I haven't been home for a long time and, and I walk in and my wife sees my shadow, she doesn't hug the shadow. She hugs the dog first. No, she hugs me after, right? No, right? The shadow, we don't celebrate the shadow. We don't hug... We want the substance, Christ. Christ is a shadow in the Old Testament, but he's the substance. And this is applicable to Gentiles as well, because it's sad to say that there are those who depend on their religious rituals and their practices. They depend on holidays and the celebration of these holidays instead of trusting in Christ. How many family members we know only come to church on Christmas and Easter? Many, right? Verse 11. Paul says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? In other words, what he's saying here, did the Jews stumble and fall permanently beyond recovery? Paul answers, with again, the strongest negative in the Greek, certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, the stumbling of the Jews served to a twofold purpose. First, the stumbling of the Jews allowed Gentiles to be saved and praise God. But this is no new concept because this was always the plan of God to save the entire world, to save every person, every tribe, every nation, not just the nation of Israel. The Lord, again, we studied this in chapter 9. The Lord sovereignly chose the nation of Israel to be what? To be a light in this world. So that all the nations can see that there is a God. Because the people and the population, those they have all their gods and their pagans. But which stand out, the one and true God, the Lord chose a people to be a light to all these nations. To bring forth the Messiah as well. But the nation of Israel still to this day proves that there is a God. We went over that in our last study. And this was a prophecy. Isaiah 42 verse 6 the Lord said, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to my people, as a light to the Gentiles. And they were a light to the Gentiles. They were a light even to, the, to Egypt. Though Pharaoh was stubborn, his magicians and sorcerers and politicians were telling him, hey, listen, Pharaoh, this is real. Their God is real. Their God is God. Why are we messing with this guy? We have nothing left. 
The plagues that hit us didn't hit our land. We, they live in the same land. Nothing happened in Goshen. The children of Israel, their cattle are still alive. They're firstborn. They're, they're not infested with bugs and frogs. We are. This God is real. And it showed. Today, we look at Israel. It shows that there's a God. It's still standing with, with nations surrounding it. And all they have is they look to the west and they have the Mediterranean Sea. But north, south, and east, all oh, they're filled with enemies. And so they're still a light. So they were a light. And the reason they were a light is to bring all people, even the Gentiles, to come to know God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But when the promised Messiah came, Jesus Christ, to the nation of Israel, they stumbled and they have rejected him. And so the Lord, okay, I'm going to provoke you to jealousy. I'm going to provoke you to jealousy. Because there was a time when you provoked me to jealousy because you had other gods. The prophecy goes way back in Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 21. The Lord said, they have provoked me to jealousy. But what is not God that have moved me to anger by their foolish idols, but I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. Now, so you Gentiles won't feel insulted with the word foolish. In the Hebrew, it means ungodly, ungodliness, unbeliever, devoid of sound judgment, especially with the association with rude and disrespectful behavior. Now, the second reason that brought salvation to the Jews, their jealousy not only brought Gentiles to the Lord, but also the Jews. How's that? The jealousy that they have, that they're Gentiles, Gentiles, worshiping the promised Messiah. I shared that a while ago with you, maybe a few times, the book that I have written by a, a Jewish rabbi who's a Messianic believer. And how was he saved? Mopping the deck of a Navy, of a Navy ship, angry and frustrated, he had to mop this deck. Next to him was one that was happy, whistling. He was like Popeye, you know, mopping, you know. He mops, and he's frustrated. He said, why are you so happy? We got to mop this deck. He said, you know why I'm mopping? He stops. He says, because I have your Messiah in my heart. Guess what? He became a believer. A lot of Jews became believers. So it served twofold. And not only Gentiles are coming, but, you know, the Jews are coming. And so this jealousy, you know, there is a difference now before we even, you know, go any further because the jealousy of God and the jealousy of man are different. If we know that. But the word jealousy used here in the sense of being is not being envious of someone have something that you don't have. When we're jealous, you have something I don't have. I'm jealous of that. You are who you are and you're so nice and you look good and, and, and your hair is nice and, you know, you have the, this gift, you have the schooling. You know, you're jealous of someone. God is not jealous of that. That's not the jealousy of God. So the, the jealousy of God is when someone gives to another something that rightly belongs to him and every soul and every man that God himself created belongs to him. There's a difference in the jealousy. We see in Exodus chapter 20 when the Lord gave the commandments, chapter 20, verses 3 and 5. 
The Lord said, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He has every right to be jealous. Man's jealousy, there's envious and there's evilness attached to it. Everyone belongs to the Lord. God created every man, woman, boy, and girl every soul. And so the Lord is a jealous God and he has provoked the nation of Israel to jealousy. And by the Lord provoking the nation of Israel to jealousy has brought salvation to both Jews and Gentiles. And again, many Jews were saved because of their jealousy of the Gentiles. They're serving their Messiah. So listen, you you know, when you come across one who's a Jew, you know, let them know, hey, your Messiah came, you know, he's in my heart. You're, you let him know your Messiah that was promised to them. You let him know that. Jesus said to the Jews, he said, Matthew chapter 21, verse 43, he said, therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And we are. Jews and Gentiles, the Lord Jesus said that there would be one flock with Christ, who's the great shepherd. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 16, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. John writes in his epistle, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. He is the savior for the world. Verse 12. Now, if therefore, he says, is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles. In other words, their fall of the Jews has meant riches for the world. In other words, is Israel's loss... It has been the Gentiles' gain. Because the Jews have stumbled, the whole world has become spiritually rich. Spiritually rich. And that is salvation through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? If the Gentiles are now spiritually rich, we're rich because they have rejected the Messiah there's so much to be grateful for because now, you know, you know, we have the Messiah. How much more would the world be when all of Israel turns to Christ? Just think about that. Think about all of Israel turns to Christ. Saints, this will happen at the end of the great tribulation. This would happen kingdom age in the millennium reign in Revelation chapter 20. This will happen. When Jesus will come back and sets up his kingdom to rule and reign on the earth, then all of Israel will be saved. Just look down in verses 26 and 27. We'll study this a little more next week, Lord willing. Verses 26 and 27, he says, And so all Israel will be saved, Paul says, as it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Who can take away sins? The Messiah, the Lamb of God. They only know of taking away sins, not really taking away, covering sins with the sacrifices and the atonements. 
They all will be saved, Paul says here. They all will be saved. And this is, you know, I doubt very much, very, very much that Paul had, this was written before Revelation. (laughs) Written before Revelation. The book of Revelation written about 100 AD. This is around 56, 55, before the destruction of the temple. So there's a belief, this this is biblical. All of Israel will be saved. All of Israel will be saved. Why? Maybe they're going to figure out, well, after we build the third temple, which it's in the works, you have no idea. Those of you who went to Israel with us, we, we all, I always make it by business. Some don't like to go there. We go to the, the Temple Mount Institute and have everything ready. Just as the book of Revelation said, they will build a temple. <laughs> They're ready. Blueprints are done. They have the stones. But they have stones. They have the menorah, all made of solid gold. Everything. They have the garment for the priests. They even have a red heifer. The red heifer is not to have one or two white hairs at all. All has to be ready. They're ready. They're ready. And it's going to happen. But when they realize that the Holy of Holies has been defiled. Wait a minute. We did this to the T. We studied for almost thousands of years. And even without a temple for 2,000 years, we studied there. And even just as of lately, we have all the artifacts. We have everything ready. The blueprints to build the temple. We know where we could build it right now. They even discovered that the place where the Dome of the Rock is, is not the right location. They thought they built it's right next to it. And what does the book of Revelation said? Measure only the part where they're going to build a temple. Leave that part for the Gentiles. Even the stone, you ever see inside the, the dome of the rock, they have this little rock that's really jagged. It's supposed to be a threshing floor. It can't be a threshing floor if it's jagged and out of shape. I think the Lord allowed their stupidity to show proof that, hey, listen, that's not the right floor. The Antonio Fortress that they have. They even have a model in Israel. Many have discovered that the Antonio Fortress that people believe it's just only a hundred soldiers could be there. When you have a centurion, what do they hold? A hundred, but you have many. There was at least a thousand. So the Antonio Fortress was bigger. And you look at the actual site. I don't want to get too much into it. You belong in our Revelation study on Wednesday nights. You'll find out more when we get to that. But they're going to find that when they get to the Holy of Holies, because they know, you go to the Holy of Holies, you got to have a string tied to your ankle, buddy. And you need bells in your garments to know that you're alive. Because if you go into the Holy of Holies, you're not right. That's the priest, not all of Israel. The priest, the high priest needs to be right. Because if he's wrong, one sin, he goes into the Holy of Holies, he's dead. And they can't send another guy in there. They have to pull him with a string. But when they see that the Antichrist goes into the Holy of Holies, said, wait a minute, it's done. The Messiah did come. Many will come to know the Lord. Pray for Israel. Pray for the priests of Israel. Now, those who hold the false teaching, which it is a false teaching, the replacement theology is false. We already went over that in our study last week. They believe that the Israel here mentioned is the church. Don't believe in the term spiritual Israel. Again, in the sense spiritual Israel, yes, we've been grafted in, yes, We all have the same Father, Abba Father. We also have the same Messiah, but not the spiritual Israel that's replacing Israel. That's replacement theology. That's anti-Semitism. But those who believe that would like to say that this this is the church, this Israel here that will be forever would be the church. But we already proved that's not the case because God has not forgot Israel. He has not rejected Israel. God has made a covenant with Israel. 
all of Israel will be saved. Israel will become the channel of blessing to the nations of the world, especially in those days. I'll leave you with this verse. Zechariah chapter 13, verses 8 through 9. It says, And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them, and I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. Time will come. But you know what? I know I could, I could speak for other pastors, teachers, and preachers that when, even when we teach week after week, how many times we encourage even the believers in growing in, in their faith in God or give them truth, give them biblical doctrine, and yet they don't want to receive it. There have been people who have been to churches for years. I've heard it. I never experienced it myself, but I know of other pastors. They, they've been sharing the gospel for so long, and, and they've seen individuals in their church for at least two to three years, and they finally give their lives to the Lord. Well, praise God, two or three years, that's kind of scary. But sometimes we block out the truth when it comes for us to grow even further in the Lord. When it comes to theology and doctrine, we block it off. I don't ever want my ears to be closed. Lord, I want to hear from you. Let it be your word. And I want to take God's word in every word wholeheartedly, especially if it's written in here, not by man. Not by man. You're not following Pastor Eddie. We study the Bible. You follow the Bible. You follow Pastor Eddie, you're going to hell. You follow the Bible. And God wants to give us more and more understanding. And you'd be surprised how much you could understand the word of God. That you, you could study at home and you could be amazed and say, wow, this is amazing. If you open your heart and, and meditate on it. God wants us to learn the, his word. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says, verse 12. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have abundance. But whoever does not have. Even what he has will be taken away from him. Many times God has ministered to you in word. And God wants to give you more. But you're not allowing those words to build you up so you could grow. We see that. We see that with the world. We see that with a people. God has done this with a nation of Israel. That God shows no partiality to any man. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send his son to condemn the world, because the world's already condemned, but, but the, the world might be saved. The world, not just the Jews, not just the elected few, the world. Romans 5.8 shares, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This incredible truth applies to us even today. We didn't do anything to warrant God's acceptance and love of us. He saw us while we were still sinners and loved us despite that. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus still died for you, and He still offers you new life. 
If you're ready to learn more about Jesus, we'd like to encourage you to find a local church family that you can be a part of. The believers you'll encounter there will help you grow in your faith and offer you support in every situation. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania area, we'd love to have you come join us in person here at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and directions, visit runningtheraceradio.com. If you'd like to listen again to today's message, Tracy has information on where to find it. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor Eddie, go to runningtheraceradio.com and then click on the radio page. There you'll find today's message and many more. Thanks, Tracy, and thank you for tuning in today for another edition of Running the Race.